the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, Welcome to another episode of Let Us Reason. Uh, I'm your host, Al Fadi, and join me uh, once again, our dear brother, Sam Shamon, who's been doing a fabulous, fabulous job in unpacking uh, the uh, person of Christ, his titles, and uh, in the last couple of weeks, the Christology of the Quran. And yes, you've heard me correctly, the Christology of the Quran, which confirms the Christology in the Bible. And of course, Sam, in his classic fashion, doing these comparisons and uh, building a foundation for it. And last week, he made it very clear, as I would agree with him, someone who knows the Quran, reads the Arabic, the Quran actually created a dilemma for the Muslim people by calling on them to ask the people of the Scripture, ask the people of the book, ask the people, basically, who follow the Bible, if they are in doubt or if they have any questions. Therefore, by virtue of appealing to the greater source, meaning the Quran is the lesser scripture, appealing to the greater scripture, we can now tell our Muslim friends why Jesus is more than just a human being, more than just a prophet. Uh, prophet. Sam, welcome aboard, brother. Thank you for having me again. It's my uh, <clears throat> pleasure and honor to be here to serve you and your audience for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And again, you know, this is my habit. I just want to just glorify the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and invoke Him for the sake of His Son, to bless our mouths, our thoughts, and our hearts, to sanctify us by the Spirit, to purify us in the blood of Jesus, to speak truth without error, for the purpose of magnifying Christ as beloved Son, so that Christians get strengthened and Muslims get saved, and everyone else who doesn't know Jesus in Jesus' name. May be glorified. Amen. And just in case we run out of time, like uh, last week, brother, tell people where can they get a hold of you, because I know for sure we're going to have new listeners this time. Yeah. They can find me on Facebook, Sam Shamoon, S-H-A-M-O-U-N. They can also go to my blog, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. All my latest articles will be there, answeringislamblog.wordpress.com, before it appears on the main site, Answering Islam, which is answeringislam.net. AnsweringIslam.net or Answering-Islam.org, and then they can do Sam Shamoon on YouTube and find <clears throat> the dozens and dozens of shows I did with David Wood, Jesus or Muhammad, and lectures and discussions that I, I do on Peltalk. So they can find me. And I appreciate their prayers for me and my family, that the Lord will sustain us and strengthen us and provide for us to keep doing it so that Christ will be glorified through us. Amen. And I'm really I would uh, implore you, my brothers and sisters who are listening uh, to uh, to us, to pray for my brother, to even go as far as uh, praying about uh, supporting him regularly, hopefully, but even a one-time gift, because uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, my Muslim people always think that we're making millions of yeah. dollars, except I have yet to receive that million-dollar check so far. So uh, yep. nevertheless, uh, the Lord uh, will be glorified through all of this. So, brother, 
Uh, last week we talked about um, how uh, the title uh, Christ is problematic uh, f- for the Muslim people if we go to the Bible and begin to look at some of prophecies that show that this Christ is no ordinary human being. He's existed for all of eternity. His titles like Mighty God and so on and so forth. Today, I think uh, we decided to pick it up from there. So go ahead, brother. Yes, by the grace of Lord Jesus, I want to also again emphasize what the Old Testament says about the coming Messiah, because this title and this concept of Messiah is not a New Testament teaching. It's a teaching anchored in the Hebrew Bible. The prophets of God were inspired by the Spirit to announce the coming of the Anointed One. Now, the New Testament says he came, and it will come again. And ironically, Islam agrees. The Quran, the Islamic sources, agree with the Christians. The Messiah is Jesus, and he came the first time, and he's going to return again to complete all the rest of the prophecies uttered about the Messiah, which places Muslims in a dilemma. Because we're going to see that according to the Hebrew Bible, the Messiah is more than human. He's a descendant of David, because the promise of the Messiah was given to David. So he comes from the line of David as a man. He fulfills the promises that God made to David and his household. But he's more than a man. He is God in the flesh, the unique Son of God. So this is what I want to focus on. And again, if we're going to do justice to this topic of the Quran's Christology, agreements and disagreements, it's going to take more than even five shows. So if the Lord is pleased, we'll continue to do this theme until we exhaust it to enable Christians to be bold enough to present what the Old Testament says about the Messiah, how Jesus fulfills it, and how even the Quran, by bearing witness to Jesus being the Messiah, places Muslims in a dilemma, because they can't have a mere human Jesus. If Jesus is the Messiah, he is divine. And Muslims cannot have a Jesus who's just a man, if they're going to be consistent with the prophets and their message that came before Muhammad. Amen. I just want to hammer that point. Amen, brother. Amen. So I think you mentioned something about Psalm 2 this time. Oh, yeah. We're going to go into it. It's a lengthy psalm, but it's worth taking time to unpack it, because this psalm teaches that God requires, expects, and demands all nations and their kings, which means all Muslim nations and even Muhammad, to come under the yoke and submit themselves to the Messiah, to the Christ. And not just a human Messiah, a Messiah who's his, who's, who is his beloved son, as the Lord loosens my tongue, and the heir of all creation. Now let's unpack it. Now Psalm 2 was written by David about a thousand years before the birth of Christ under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. David is not talking about himself. He's talking about the one to come. And uh, so let's start. Let's read the first six verses. Let's see what it says. <clears throat> Why do the nations rage? Notice this is directed to the nations. And the people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, and against his anointed. Now, the Hebrew word is Mashiach, his anointed, Mashiach, his anointed one, the Christ. So it's talking about God and Christ, saying, let us tear off their bands and cast away their robes from us. So here the nations and the kings refuse to submit to the Christ. They don't want Christ to rule over them. Now watch God's reaction and response. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord ridicules them. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his burning anger. I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. So what David is saying is, whether you kings and nations like it or not, God's anointed king has come. The Messiah has come. You better submit to him if you want to experience peace, bliss, and everlasting happiness. 
Otherwise, you will be destroyed in his righteous judgment. So here is a psalm clearly saying, all the nations, that means Saudi Arabia, that means Jordan, that means Syria, that means Malaysia, that means Indonesia, that means all Muslim authorities, whether they like it or not, have to submit to the yoke of Messiah, not just as their human king, but as the Son of God. And so that brings us to the second section. Now notice what Psalm 2, verses 7 to 12, will say. Watch. I will declare the decree of the Lord. Now this is Messiah speaking through David. I will declare the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Wow. God says to Messiah, you, Messiah, are my son. This day I've begotten you. Here, here we have, again, the Hebrew verb, <clears throat> yelet. God begets the Messiah, spiritually, not physically. I just want to emphasize that. We Christians <clears throat> view it as just as much a blasphemy as the Muslims do to say that God, a spiritual being, has sex to sire children physically. Blasphemy. We do not believe that. Amen. God is a spiritual being, and he begets spiritually in a manner known to him that's beyond our ability to fully comprehend. And Muslims should not object to that because they know that God is unlike anything in creation so that no human being can fully comprehend the ways and thoughts of God. So it's a spiritual begetting, not a sexual, physical one. That would be blasphemy, right? Absolutely. But again, let me emphasize, verse 7 says it. You are my son, this day I've begotten you. But wait, I thought chapter 112 of the Quran, chapter 112, verse 3, says that Allah neither begets nor is begotten. He does not beget. And yet here, David says, his God, the true God, the God of Abraham, does beget the Messiah spiritually to reign over the nations. So now you have a dilemma, Muslims. The New Testament agrees with the Hebrew Bible. Messiah is begotten of God spiritually. He is the Son of God. The Quran, although saying Jesus is the Messiah, says that God doesn't beget, nor is begotten, and Jesus is not his son. That's in chapter 9, verse 30. In fact, in the Quran, in chapter 9, verse 30, it says Allah will fight you, right? Basically kill you for saying Jesus is the son of Allah. That the Messiah is the son of Allah, right? Amen. So you have a problem. David, who's supposedly a Muslim, agrees with New Testament theology that Jesus the Messiah is God's son, contradicting Muhammad. Now let's continue to see what the prophecy says. <clears throat> God expects the nations to do in, in relation to the Messiah. Ask of me, God, the Father of the Messiah says, ask of me to the Messiah, and I will give you the Messiah, Jesus, our Lord, the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You will break them with a scepter of iron. You will dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now notice what God says. You, my son, the Messiah, the nations are your possession. They're your inheritance. The earth belongs to you. And if anyone refuses to submit to you and acknowledge your rulership over them, you will dash them, you will break them in pieces. Now, can I ask you a question, brother? Yes, sir. Now, if the entire earth belongs to the Messiah, and the Quran says Jesus is the Messiah, and agree with the New Testament, does that mean that all the Muslim nations belong to Jesus? Amen. I mean, all is all. Muhammad belongs to Jesus? Amen. He's under the feet of Jesus? Amen. But now we have a problem. Muhammad refused to acknowledge that Jesus is God's son. So what will Jesus do to Muhammad on the day of judgment, on the day of his wrath? 
Well, it's very clear. I shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, how can Muhammad say Jesus is the Messiah and yet deny all that the Messiah entails? Because to be Messiah is to be the king of the earth, the king of creation, who rules all the nations, the entire earth being his possession, and every person acknowledging that this Messiah is God's son and they have to pay him homage, all of which Muhammad denied. Because now let's look at the last two verses. Now then, you kings, be wise. Now then, you kings, be wise. Be admonished, you judges of the earth. So here's a warning to the kings and their rulers. Serve the Lord with fear. Tremble with trepidation. Kiss the sun. Kiss the sun, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath, the sun's wrath, is kindled in a flash. Blessed are all who seek refuge in him. So here's the warning to all the nations through David. You kings, you judges, all you nations, you need to serve the Lord by kissing his son, by showing homage to his son, by worshiping his son. Otherwise, the son will get angry and will destroy you in his wrath. But whoever acknowledges the son, whoever takes refuge in the son, seeks shelter from the son, he or she is blessed. And that's what you did. You used to be a Muslim, but now you've turned to the son of God, Jesus the Messiah, and you seek his protection and shelter, and the Bible says, David says, you are blessed because you did so. Amen. And brother, just a question. I know, uh, I, I, <coughs> is it possible for someone also to look at it from a poetic standpoint that the Lord is synonym with the Son between 11 and 12? Have you ever looked at it that way? Well, in the context, the Messiah, the Anointed One, is divine because he's said to be Adonai, in right. verse 4, Adonai, which is another divine title for God. Right. But that would take an entire show for me to unpack. No, the, no problem. I just wanted yeah. to ask the question in case Well, someone... what it is is basically saying yeah. to serve the Lord is to kiss the Son, meaning you can't serve God without worshiping the Son. To honor the Father is to honor the Son. That's John five twenty two. In other words, what you find here is what Jesus said in John five twenty two twenty three, and this is what he said. So it's saying the way you serve the Lord is by kissing the Son. And that's exactly what our Lord said in John 5, 22 to 23. He said, Moreover, the Father judges no one, confirming what the psalm says, because it's the Son who will destroy them in his wrath. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Amen. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus our Lord, in John 5, 22, 23, is confirming what Psalm 2 says. To serve the Lord is to honor the Son. To dishonor the Son is to dishonor the Lord, and you cannot worship God apart from the Son. And yet Muslims think that they're worshiping the true God while rejecting His Son, which means their worship is in vain, it's futile, it does not please God, it does not reach God. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, do, how much more time I got? Because I got another prophecy to look at. We have about ten minutes. Oh, good. Then we can go to the other prophecy. So this prophecy is clear. Messiah is God's king, the one who's anointed to rule over all the nations. All the nations belong to him. They must submit to him, otherwise he'll destroy them on, on the day of judgment. So notice, he's the one who's going to judge on the day of judgment, which is something Quran says Allah does, God does. And he is the unique son of God, whom all must acknowledge and honor as such. If I didn't tell you this was the Old Testament, if I didn't tell you this was David, you would think I was reading the New Testament, right? Correct. And yet the New Testament says Jesus came to fulfill it. In Acts 13, 32-33, Paul quotes Psalm 2-7. Now let me read what he says. Acts 13, 
32 to 33. We preach to you good news, the promise which was made to the fathers. God has fulfilled to us their children, raising Jesus. God has kept his word, his promise, to our fathers and to us, and he raised Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm. You are my son, today I've begotten you. So Paul says, God has proven faithful to us, because the promise, the prophecy that God made through David about the Messiah, he has fulfilled. Jesus has come. He's the Messiah. And God raised him from the dead in order to exalt him to heaven, to sit enthroned as the Messianic king from heaven over the earth. And Muslims and Christians agree on this, which is ironic again. And Lord willing, in a future session, we'll talk about this more, how the Quran and Islam acknowledges Jesus as the just ruler who will come at the end to rule the entire earth. Amen. Even though there are some profound differences in what that rule entails, but still, here's what's ironic. The Jews say there are no two comings of the Messiah, meaning the Jews who disbelieve in Jesus, right? Because there are Jews who do believe in Jesus, and they believe in the two comings of the Messiah, a first coming and a second coming. Here's what's ironic. Muslims agree with Christians there are two comings of the Messiah. He came the first time, right? And he's coming back a second, a second time. Now, if you ask the Muslims, why is he coming back a second time? They really, really are baffled, because unlike us, we believe Jesus came the first time to die in order to make atonement for sin, right? Correct. But Muslims deny that was part of the Messiah's mission, which is another contradiction. And so he died to accomplish our salvation, and he's going to return to then rule over the earth. Now, why in Islam do you have Jesus coming a first time, then going to heaven, only to return a second time? Really, this has baffled Muslims, because this is another time in which Muhammad adopted Christian theology and made it part of his message to entice Christians to become Muslims without realizing that in so doing, he's now contradicting his very message and exposing himself as a false prophet. Because why is he coming again, Islamically speaking? For what reason? Well, of course, I mean, Islam will tell you he's going to come in as the judge of the earth, but he's going to convert people to Islam, basically, and institute Sharia law, destroy, basically, kill all pigs, you know. Uh, uh. Yeah, they'll do that. But again, my problem is, why was that delayed? Why did he do it the first time? Why is it delayed to a second time? And let me just real quickly, since you mention it, it is not true that Jesus will be following Muhammad's Sunnah or the Quran, because that's what they say. He's going to come as a Muslim prophet. Here's why. Notice what you just said. We'll, we'll unpack this in a future session, but real quickly, let's talk about it real brief. Notice what you just said. The tradition says he'll come and rule the earth, and the tradition says for 40 years, and he's going to judge by the Quran. But he's going to abolish the jizya, which is a sum of money Correct. demanded of Jews and Christians if they want to keep their religion but live under Islamic rule. He's going to remove the jizya. Now, why is he removed the jizya? Because when Jesus comes, he will not allow anyone to continue believing anything other than Islam, right? Exactly. Okay, now here's the problem. If Jesus forces everyone to become Muslim, according to the tradition, and he abolishes the jizya, that means he just abolished chapter 9, verse 29 of the Quran. He's now made it obsolete. And he's also made obsolete all those verses in the Quran telling Muslims how to treat and interact unbelievers, because everyone's going to be a believer, making much of the Quran obsolete. You understand the dilemma now? Absolutely. So he is definitely abolishing the entire Quran, technically. You better believe it. Because all the parts of the Quran that tells Muslims how to treat unbelievers, right? What to do with them, depending on their circumstances. Or take jizya from Jews and Christians. That will be null and void, because everyone's going to become Muslim. No more jizya. That means much of the Quran he now makes useless. 
Amen. Amen, my friend. Then how can Jesus be following the Quran when he's going to abolish the Quran and do what Muhammad could not do? So that's the problem, isn't it? Exactly. But Lord willing, we'll unpack that in a future session. Now again, how am I doing on time, my brother? We have about five minutes. Okay, well, let me then end it with this prophecy. Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Again, speaking of the Messiah, because it talks about the reign, the rule of this one. Here's Daniel 7, 13 and 14. I saw in the night visions, and there was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. Pay attention. Daniel, about 600 years, close to 600 years before the birth of Christ, another prophet of God, sees a vision where he sees a human figure, one like a son of man, and he rides the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, so now here's another figure. Son of man approaches the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days would be God the Father, and was presented before him. Now watch this. There was given to him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. Notice again, this son of man who rides the clouds is going to be given a dominion, glory, power, and a kingdom. All nations, peoples, must serve him, just like Psalm 2 said. So this son of man is the Messiah of Psalm 2, son of man who's son of God. All languages, meaning even Arabic, all nations, all the Arab nations, all the Muslim nations, all peoples must serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So here you have the Son of Man who possesses an indestructible kingdom, who rules forever over all peoples, nations, and languages, whom all must serve. Exactly what Psalm 2 said about the Messiah, the Anointed One, God's Son, that all the nations must serve him, must kiss him, must honor him, must submit to him. So this is speaking of the same figure, the Messiah. Now again, if the Messiah is an eternal king, possessing an eternal kingdom that's indestructible, whom every person, all nations and their kings must serve, and the Quran agrees Jesus is that Messiah, that means the Quran agrees that Jesus is an eternal king with an indestructible kingdom, who is the Son of God, whom everyone must serve and worship and honor the way they do his Father. And yet the Quran says Jesus is not the Son, and Islam says he doesn't rule forever. How do you resolve this problem? But it's amazing because the Quran or the tradition acknowledge that he's still going to come back and have dominion over all the earth. And that's mutalatr. That tradition is multiply attested, so it's on the level of the Quran in terms of authenticity. And yet, even though he comes to rule, remember, it's only for 40 years. So they acknowledge part of his rule, but deny his eternal, everlasting rule. So you got a dilemma again. The Messiah is to rule forever. He's an eternal king whose kingdom is indestructible. All the nations, people's languages, must serve him, which is the same thing we find in Psalm 2, that God's Messiah, his anointed king, will rule over the kings and all the nations, and if they refuse to submit to him and honor him, he'll destroy them. So again, it's the same figure here in Daniel 7 and Psalm 2. And yet the Quran agrees with us, Jesus is that Messiah, but then disagrees that he's the unique son and an eternal king with an eternal kingdom who is to be worshipped. So you see the problem that the Quran creates for Muslims in saying that Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. Amen, brother. I mean, that, that was fabulous, of course. And uh, I really, my hope and my prayers is that our uh, brothers and sisters who are listening to this uh, will take notes, uh, will, uh, will practice it with the Muslims that they're going to meet, because Muslims speak uh, just as a parrot, brainwashed person, without thinking. Our job sometimes is to try to wake them up 
and just ask these pointed questions that will plant seeds, not only just seeds of salvation, that's what we uh, pray for, but also seeds of doubt about their own understanding, which many times they really were told what to think and were told what to believe. And before we even conclude, let me show you what even Muhammad agrees, that if God truly has a son, he's to be served. Because notice, Surah 4381, chapter 43, verse 8081, it says, Say, Muhammad, if the All-Merciful has a son, then I am the first to serve him. Did you catch it? Yep. Muhammad admits, God has a son, then his son would be worthy of worship. And yet, by saying that Jesus is the Messiah, Muhammad indirectly testified Jesus is God's son, which means Muhammad had to serve him, but he didn't. Therefore, he's under the feet of Christ. And don't forget what Mark 14, 61, 62 says. When the high priest in Mark 14, 61, 62 says to Jesus, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Notice Jesus' answer. I am. And you shall see the Son of Man, Amen. seated at the right hand of power, coming with the clouds of heaven. Amen. So here Christ says, I am that Son of Man who rides the clouds that Daniel saw. Therefore, I am that eternal king. Amen. Thank you, my brother. And I uh, recommend that everybody listens to the beginning of the show to see how you can get a hold of my brother, Sam Shimon. And we will continue this fabulous series on the Christology from the Quran, of course, to confirm biblical truth about our Lord Jesus Christ. Until we meet again, have a blessed Saturday and a blessed week. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.